0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Week two of the NFL season is almost over. Uh, It was a great week of football, and I'm super excited. Uh, for this week because we get to talk about it with Marcus Grant, uh, NFL fantasy recurring guest of the show. Uh, But just to give you a look at how the show is going to go today, we're going to talk football with Marcus. Uh, I'm going to add a little bit more there on the end. And then we're going to talk about some NBA basketball because we're slowly approaching uh, the NBA finals. It is incredibly exciting, Um, but there's some stuff to go over. I mean, you look at the, the Nuggets game tonight, uh, then losing on a buzzer beater, the Celtics maybe turned a corner uh, and are now only down two one in the series, even though they've led for seventy percent of it. Uh, absolutely crazy, um, but here we go. Let's get it started. My interview with Marcus Grant. We now welcome on a very special guest, a recurring guest of the podcast. It's NFL fantasies, Marcus Grant. Marcus, thanks so much for coming on.
1: I appreciate you having me on, Jonathan.
0: Absolutely. So first off, we have uh, a crazy finish to a Sunday night football game uh well you know this is this has just been a great this is this is the moment where football's back you know where every, all eyes are on this game uh and it truly lives up to the hype the Seahawks stop Cam Newton at the one yard line a story that you know between the Patriots and and Seahawks we've heard plenty of times actually more than once which is which is very surprising um I mean, some, you, you look at it all, all the way down the line. Cam Newton had a fantastic game, even though he didn't get in the end zone. Russell Wilson is probably the runaway MVP favorite at this point. Um, what really stood out to you in this game from, from either side?
1: Well, oh, the thing that, that continues to stand out for me is the fact that the Seahawks seem to have, you know, as the hashtag says on the internet, let Russ cook. You know, um, that had not been something they were they were normally doing. They were a, a very run-heavy team, but through the first two games, they have really put the offense in the hands of Russell Wilson, and it has paid off in a big way. We I mean, had five touchdown passes uh, tonight against the Patriots. Has um, just looked very good running the offense, spreading the ball all around. Uh, so that that definitely stood out to me. And the other part of it is. Cam Newton is back, you know, um, and I think, I think people forgot because for the last year, year and a half, he hasn't been healthy. And so I think people forgot how good Cam was at his peak. Uh, and we're starting to be reminded that, that he can do everything. He made some great throws tonight. He ran the football effectively, had two rushing touchdowns. And, and even though he got stopped right near the goal line to end the game, Uh, He just was so effective moving the ball around and getting out of the the pocket and running with and doing stuff with his legs uh, that I think we have to remember that all everybody had a chance to bring in Cam Newton. He was a free agent and the, the Patriots got him for, you know, a huge discount. And I think a lot of teams that are having quarterback issues right now have to be looking around and wondering how they missed out on this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah like you said he threw for almost 400 yards um, and I think that was the the main thing that people were concerned about um, is that you know Bill Belichick's smart enough to scheme open those run lanes for him but when push came to shove I mean you look at that last drive got him all the way down the field uh, through his arm uh, which is absolutely incredible and like you said yeah it's, it's amazing to see that that teams were willing to just let him slip and not even you know bring him in and, and see what they can make of it. Uh, but it was definitely good on Bill Belichick and the Patriots to get him in there, uh, making a huge difference for him. But let's talk about Russell Wilson. Uh, some of the throws he, he made tonight, absolutely incredible. Um, we're seeing some of his best work. And like you said, it's less rut, let Russ cook. Um, if he gets going uh, and is, is able to continue to perform at this high level, what is the ceiling for the Seahawks team?
1: I mean, look they are still going to compete in the NFC West. I think their defense may end up being a bit of an Achilles heel. But uh, with the way Russell is playing, he can certainly erase a lot of those mistakes. Now, I think next week is going to be a really big test for them. They got the Dallas Cowboys who uh, you know are equally uh, you know, explosive offensively. So uh, I think they're going to be a real challenge and that's going to be a fun game to watch. But Uh, When you figure all the injuries that the 49ers have, I mean, they they got beat up really bad today, even though they beat the Jets. Um, I like Arizona. They are a young team and they are certainly rising, but I think they still have some flaws as well. Uh, You know, the Rams are, they have some talent. They look like they may be back as well. So the NFC West is going to be a dogfight all year long. So, but the Seahawks certainly have enough, I think, to win the division. Very well could have won it last year. And so they will certainly, I think, be a playoff team. Um, Beyond that, it really is going to be about the defense and whether or not the defense can get key stops in the playoffs because uh, Russ playing this way is great, but he's not going to throw you five touchdown passes every single week. So at some point, they've got to figure out how to get stops when they need to.
0: Yeah. And that was part of it too. I mean, you look at the defense now and back-to-back weeks weeks has allowed 450 yards of total offense to the two teams they played. And granted, I mean, you're looking at the Falcons offense who has been potent for for years uh, with Matt Ryan at the helm. And then obviously a Bill Belichick led team, Cam Newton led team. Um, I mean, yeah. And, and like you said, NFC West is, is one of the most difficult divisions in the NFL for a reason. Three of the teams are undefeated uh, and, the only loss came within the division uh, so let's keep it moving here let's talk about that Cowboys team that you mentioned that they're playing um, quite the improbable comeback uh, look it, it was this loss more on the Cowboys or was it more on the Falcons
1: I think this is on the Falcons I think the Falcons just let this thing get away I mean they had a 20 nothing lead pretty much right out of the gate and just could never seem to to really you know keep their foot on the gas. I mean, they, they had the Cowboys down and just couldn't close that game out. And then whatever, whatever you know, happened in the first three plus quarters, what is going to stick with everybody is that onside kick, you know, in, in, in an era where the rules are such that it is nearly impossible to get onside kicks now. Somehow the Falcons just watch the ball roll and it gets past the 10-yard mark, and the Cowboys jump on it, and then they move down the field, get the field goal, and end up winning the game. So regardless of everything else that happened, the one thing the Falcons have to answer for is how exactly they let the Cowboys get the ball back. If they fall on that ball, it's game over. And there's there's yeah. nothing else that, that Dallas can do about it. So I, I think this one is on Atlanta. I mean, but credit the Cowboys for fighting hard and, and coming back and making plays. But... Um, the Falcons, I think, are going to walk out of this one and they're going to wake up tomorrow and wonder exactly how this happened. And I don't, I don't think they have anyone to blame but themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So Cowboys scored six, uh, 16 points in the last six minutes of the game. Do you believe that they've turned a corner? Or was this simply, uh, you know, are, are the concerns that were there for the, like you said, the first three plus minutes, three plus quarters of the entire game, are they still going to be carrying uh, their expectation through the rest of the week?
1: Uh, I mean, I think there's some some issues for the Cowboys. I mean, I think defensively they got to figure some things out. I mean, this is this is a couple weeks in a row that that they have uh, found themselves in some track meets. Uh, and, and look, they very easily probably could have won in Week One uh, against the Seahawks. And and I think they made some mistakes and had some questionable play calls. I think they will look back. They uh, had two fake punts on their own half of the field that failed. And I think that's another thing that they're going to look back on and, and wonder, you know, had we done things differently, does that game, do we, do we win that game without having to, to you know, go last second and fight and, and get a little bit of good luck? So uh, I, I still think that on paper the Cowboys are the best team in the division. And you know, whereas you look at the NFC West and it is strong top to bottom, I think you look at the NFC East, and there are a lot of questions. The Eagles have not looked good through the first two weeks. The Giants, we knew, were a young team that was going to take some time, but now they look like they're not going to have Saquon Barkley for the rest of the year. So that's a huge blow to that team. And Washington, I think, I think they're still trying to figure out what they are. I think defensively they, they have some things to be excited about. Offensively, uh, I think they are still very much a work in progress. So uh, it seems as though that division should be up for grabs, and I think if the Cowboys can sort of get themselves straightened out i think they're going to go on and win
0: that division Mm, yeah no that's true when the when the leader of the division uh is a team that finished three and 13 last season (laughs) you know that you're you're feeling pretty good uh for the for the current moment okay i want to play i want to play a game with you here uh buy sell or hold i'm going to give you a couple guys that have maybe had some big performances or maybe have struggled so far and i want you to tell me if you're buying stock in them selling stock or you're you're waiting to see what happens Uh, So the first one here is the surprise Jaguars rookie running back, James Robinson, who has seemed to have taken over the backfield, albeit to some injuries to some other guys. Um, Are you buying, selling or holding on James Robinson's stock?
1: I'm, I'm sort of buying right now. In fact, I'm, I'm sort of buying in a lot of ways the, the Jaguars offense, um, whether it's James Robinson, Gardner Minshew has three, three touchdown passes in back-to-back games. Uh, LaVisca Chenault looks like he's going to be interesting in the way they're using him there and the schedule for the next three to four weeks. It's pretty favorable. They've got some games that you know, even if they're even if they don't win, they should be competitive in, and they can move the football. So, uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by what's going on down there in Jacksonville. So, I think I'm I think I'm in on James Robinson.
0: So then, is that the same case with with you mentioned Gardner Minshew? Are you buying his stock too?
1: I am, at least certainly in the short term. Like I said, I think the next three or four weeks look really good for Minshew. Um, you know, he he isn't always. Spectacular with it, but he's effective. And and like I said, the Jaguars—they're feisty, they're fun. Jay Gruden, their new offensive coordinator, seems to to kind of be on point with with how he's using his weapons down there. So uh, I'm buying in.
0: All right, let's talk about another quarterback running back duo. That I mean, don't look now, but the Bears are two and zero. Mitch Trubisky and David Montgomery. What are you doing there?
1: I am. I don't know if I'm buying. I think I think I may be, be selling on Mitchell Trubisky. I know he's been kind of nice the first couple of weeks. He had that good comeback win in week one uh, and then kind of had a nice day today. But I, I just long term, I'm not sure, especially when I look at the schedule. I mean, like next week, they've got Atlanta, which could be interesting. Uh, you know, Indianapolis may be tougher. Tampa Bay is going to be tough. So uh, I, I, am, I am not in on Minshew. I guess I'm selling on Minshew. David Montgomery, I think I'm a hold right now. I, I still want to see more. Uh, week one, I know he played, but he had that injury that he suffered during training camp. And so I, I feel like he was less than 100%. Did look good at times uh, on Sunday in week two. So uh, I'm not I'm not completely out on him. I will admit that last year I was really big on him and he sort of let me down. So I, I will admit to having some hurt feelings about it, but uh, I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. So I'm a, I'm a hold on David Montgomery.
0: Uh, Jared Goff had uh, it was a, it was a tale of two games for him uh, when when he gets going obviously the Rams have an easy time they're still 2-0 and but which Jared Goff is the real Jared Goff?
1: Uh, I think what we saw today was a little bit closer and, and here's the thing I don't think he was bad in week one the, the fantasy numbers certainly weren't exciting because he didn't mm-hmm. throw a touchdown pass um, but I do think some of that was kind of the way the game went the, the Rams found out early that they could run the ball on Dallas Malcolm Brown was looking good so I think Sean McVay just looked at that and said all right well let's just keep running the football they didn't need golf necessarily to go out and do big things in week two they definitely wanted to get him on track and we saw that happen um now you know two of their next three games actually three of their next four games um are, are, are kind of tough matchups. I mean, they got the Bills, then they have the Giants, which, you know, should kind of be a, a little bit of a lull. Uh, they got Washington, they've got San Francisco, and even after that, uh, they've got the Bears. So they've got some tough games coming up on the schedule, but I'm starting to think that Sean McVay may be kind of, you know, back on his game when it comes to scheming stuff up for Jared Goff. So I, I think I'm willing to kind of buy in on that. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and I think a lot of that has to do with uh the ability of their running game obviously Todd Gurley um last season there were just some some struggles there but that three-headed back rotation um and me as a a Cam Akers owner I'm a little sad because he's not really (laughs) getting the 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 touches I was hoping for but I mean as a group they're incredibly effective and that's really tough when you have you three starting quality guys because they can throw any one of them at you at, at any point um
1: yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Acres, I know, got hurt. I think Malcolm Brown might might have hurt his finger. So we'll see what the uh, what the reports are on them and and what happens. But you're right. It it is when they're all healthy. It's going to be a three-headed attack back there, which is great for real football because it makes you hard to defend. For fantasy, it stinks because we want clarity. You know, we want to know who the guy is. We want to know what the rotation is. And I I don't know that you know when all three of those guys are healthy. I don't think we're going to get that clarity all year.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. One more guy before you look ahead to Monday night. Uh, surprise start. Justin Herbert, the rookie, got in due to an injury to Tyrod Taylor. Now, Anthony Lynn announced that uh, if Tyrod Taylor was 100% ready to go, that he'd be starting in week three. But I mean, y- you can't ignore it. the offense looks really good. They met their point total from last week in the second quarter. Um, I mean, our, our Justin Herbert looks pretty good. Are you buying or selling?
1: I'm buying. I mean, you're right. He did. He looked very good today against a Chiefs secondary that generally has been pretty good. And I know the chargers didn't win, but I thought Herbert played very well. Did make a couple of of rookie type throws that kind of were like, what are you doing? But on the whole, I thought it was a pretty good outing for him. Um, I am very curious to see what happens with Tyrod Taylor. As you mentioned, uh, Anthony Lynn afterwards said that that they plan on making him the starter, keeping him as the starter, I should say, as long as he is healthy. Uh, it was certainly a surprise to everybody, even to Herbert. He said he didn't find out until literally at kickoff uh, that he was going to be the starter today. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, you know, it it seems uh, I don't know. It seems a little bit weird after the way Herbert played, and especially when you compare it to how Tyrod played in Week One, to think that, that he's going to be back in that starter spot again. But but you never know. But I I'm I'm in on Justin Herbert. He looked very good today. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, and and Tyrod Taylor obviously throughout his career has been no stranger to being a bridge quarterback of sorts. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think he was hoping that in LA, this would be, you know, his start, but Justin Herbert looking so good, Uh, you know, even a slow start next week. And you really got to be thinking as a Chargers fan and and the Chargers coaching staff, whether or not to make a move. Uh, Okay. We're going to let you go here in just a sec, but we like to do a little, we like to do a little, a little game here uh, for Monday night football. Um, So I want you to tell me what's going to, we're going to wake up Tuesday morning. What's going to be the storyline, predict the headline for, for Tuesday morning.
1: Uh, The storyline Tuesday morning is that the Saints defense will have shut down the Raiders offense and that Jared Cook will have had a big day kind of filling in for Michael Thomas in in that offense. I I think that with with Michael Thomas not there, uh, you're going to see Breeze lean on Cook. You're going to see him lean on Alvin Kamara a little bit more. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders maybe gets into the act, but I think Jared Cook offensively will kind of be the big story of the night against that Raider defense. And the Saints defense is going to go in lockdown on Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and the rest of that Raider offense.
0: I was hoping you'd say Emmanuel Sanders because right now I'm down, I think, 10. <laughs> so I need a little bit from him and then it'll be a, a 5-0 and week for me.
1: I think, I think you might be able to get uh, 10, 11 points out of Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think that's impossible.
0: Okay, good. So alternate headline, Jonathan goes 5 and 0 in his week 2 fantasy <laughs> matchups. Good. I like it. I'm glad. I'm glad we're all we're all on the same boat here. Uh, well, Marcus, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time and hopefully we can get you back on soon.
1: Sounds good, Jonathan. You take care.
0: Still a whole lot more football to talk about here on the back half of the show. Um, and where else to start but the place I alluded to earlier. The Chicago Bears are 2 and 0. Both of their games came down to the wire. Um, each of the teams that they played against had a chance to score in the final minute. You look at DeAndre Swift uh, dropping the touchdown pass in week one, and the Giants moved all the way to the 10 uh, of the Chicago Bears before ultimately coming up and getting stopped. Uh, David Montgomery played really well, over 100 total all-purpose yards, and we might be beginning to start to see the value uh, that was praised going into last season. Uh, He may be coming into form as as Trubisky's go-to guy, um, and, and that's something to, to definitely look out for, especially if you have him in fantasy. Um, looking at the other side of the ball, though, the Giants lost Saquon Barkley to what is feared to be a torn ACL, which would be a big blow to the team as he was a, a, a big part of their offense. And the Giants start off the season 0-2, but they're in the NFC East, so really anything can happen. Uh, the Colts had a big week, finally got everything together. Uh, the defense was clicking, the offense was there. But there's still room to grow. I mean, you look at where Kirk Cousins was in the second half, drove down the field towards the end um, to score a late touchdown to push it close. But Kirk Cousins was 40% completion percentage, three interceptions. Uh, The Colts' defensive line was getting in the backfield every time, it felt like. Um, And and this may be what we could come to expect from them. The the Vikings were a playoff team last year. Obviously, they they have some new pieces to fix. but this Colts game could have easily been a much bigger score. I mean, you look at uh, T.Y. Hilton dropping uh, a touchdown pass, a 50-yard touchdown pass they ended up punting on. Uh, there was a pass to Mo Alley-Cox that bounced off his hands and into the waiting arms of a Vikings defender in the red zone. Uh, so even though they won by 17, this game could have been a lot bigger. And you have to assume Jonathan Taylor took 26 carries today. It's going to be the main back uh, on the offense. One thing that was interesting to me, Naheem Hines did not play uh, nearly as much and did not nearly have an effect on the offense like he did in week one. Jordan Wilkins took up the backup running back carries, uh, which was was a little bit confusing, concerning for maybe some fantasy owners that have picked him up. Um, but regardless, I think you got to wait and see on him, hold him just a little bit, because I, I have to assume he's getting into the passing offense sooner or later. Um, so that that's definitely something to look out for. Keeping it moving, the Cardinals moved to 2-0, beating the Washington football team, who apparently just do not like to score in the first half of football games. All their points this season, including their 27 in the win over the Philadelphia Eagles, have come in the second half. Uh, I mean, maybe they're just a team that likes to play with their back against the wall, but Kyler Murray is... is Getting that gear that we expected him to in year two, Cliff Kingsbury, DeAndre Hopkins, everything is coming together really solidly for him. Posted a QBR of 90 today. Um, and you pair that with last week, uh, he's he's completing the ball over 65%. Uh touchdown to interception ratio looks good. Um, but really where his money is being made is on the ground. Had 67 yards, and only eight carries today, and added in two touchdowns. But the one thing that's very interesting to me, and we'll have to wait for the data to come out in week two, but When you watch him run the ball, it seems like he just doesn't get touched. And 12 of his 13 carries uh, in last week's win over the 49ers, he only was touched once, and he was pushed out of bounds on all 13 of his carries. Um, So we'll have to see what the data looks like on that one. But Kyler Murray is not only burning teams, Uh, with his his speed uh, and his playmaking ability but he's not he's not letting them light him up which is something that's very key um, to this Cardinals offense going on a run and and trying to make some waves in the NFC West Um, the Ravens won big against the Texans who start 0-2 at the beginning of the season. I mean, we kind of felt like this is where it was coming, playing the Chiefs and then the Ravens. Um, it doesn't get any easier, though, as their next three weeks, they've got the Steelers, who are also 2-0, the Vikings, and then the Jaguars with Gardner Minshew. Uh, I mean, there are just some, some real legitimate concerns of this uh, this Texans team. You know, Deshaun Watson is fantastic, but the playmakers around him are questionable. Uh, this defense is long past their prime in, in a, a number of cases, but... Um, man i think something short of of letting deshaun watson just unleash and and really just put the team in his hands i don't know what else they can do i think he's talented enough to keep them afloat and, and keep them in the playoff race but i mean right now the, the way that it's working I, I i don't feel i don't feel confident in the texans ability especially or even in a, a weak afc south the Rams turned a corner today, winning the game 37-19. Jared Goff got up to a, a good start, 20-27, 260 yards and three touchdowns. And it was Daryl Henderson today, tallying 81 yards on 12 carries. That was the lead back in LA. For the Eagles, they fall to 0-2. They got Miles Sanders back, but there were still some questions. Uh, they did a better job of project, uh, protecting Carson Wentz, who was only uh, only pressured, was not sacked, um, but he had a, a poor showing, two interceptions thrown. Um, I mean, same situation, you know, as, as the Texans here. They're often own 2 start, but they play in a division where really anything goes. Um, so they've, they've got plenty of time to get back into it. Uh, and, and so we'll have to see moving forward where that goes. Broncos-Steelers, the Steelers moved to 2-0, 26-21 win over the Broncos, um, who had to play with Jeff Driscoll for the most of, of the game. And we'll continue to have to play with him at starting quarterback as it was announced. Uh, Drew Locke suffered an AC injury and his timetable t- is two to six weeks. And that's a big chunk of the season. Um, if he's gone the full six, that's eight games um, that they're, they are into the season, which not impossible, but they've already, you know, it's already going to be an uphill climb considering they started this season and two, but there are three wild card spots. Um, so definitely, definitely more to more to come there. Packers had a big win over the lions who, uh, I mean, is Matt Patricia gone? Do they do they let him go early? I mean, that's that's where we're that's where we're headed right now. Obviously, blowing that win uh, to the Bears uh, in in week one, but if you lose this one, you know, after that win, you're you're one and one. So this obviously hurts a little bit different um, for them. Aaron Rodgers is trying to make a case for MVP. 18 of 30, 240 yards, and two touchdowns. It was only sacked once, but it was Aaron Jones who stole the show today gaining 168 yards on the ground, including a 75-yard touchdown run, as well as four catches for 68 yards and another touchdown. Uh, He he played a fantastic game today and really eliminated concerns about um, A.J. Dillon potentially taking a role in the offense, at least for the short term. Uh, And he's definitely a guy that you you would love to have in fantasy at this point. 49ers lost a number of key players to injury, but they still got the win in convincing fashion, 31-13, over the Jets, uh, there was actually some concerns about the turf at MetLife that led to the injuries that the 49ers brought up, um, but Jimmy Garoppolo could be sidelined, Raheem Mostert, uh, George Kittle was already out for the week, Nick Bosa, potentially a torn ACL, um, in addition to, you know, Debo Samuel, who is already out, so the injuries seem to be biting uh, the, the 49ers, the injury bug seems to be biting them pretty hard at this point, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked really good um, before he had to go out to injury 14 to 16 131 yards a qbr of 99.6 um, but it's going to be nick mullen's time in the short term for these 49ers and as for the jets i mean you got to be looking to the draft uh, sam darnold did all he could 21 to 32 179 yards pass a rating of 90 but everyone around him just i mean i feel like just really let him down the defense allowed big play after big play. The offensive line was giving up protection, albeit to one of the best defensive lines in the 49ers. Uh, but not feeling super confident about these Jets and until they really show something. I mean, you have to be concerned um, looking, at the, looking at the rest of their schedule. They go Colts, Broncos, Cardinals, Chargers, Bills, Chiefs, Patriots. Um, I mean, there's only a handful of games that you'd even give them a touchdown in right like going into the Colts game they're ten the uh, Colts are 10 point favorites like i don't even know looking at the rest of these no there maybe maybe may the chargers that you give them at least a touchdown favorite but these guys are going to be heavily uh undervalued and i think for for good reason uh, which is is surprising but transitioning here in the last few minutes the Celtics really seem to turn a corner in Game Three, having Gordon Hayward back, one of the best stretches of the game was when they had uh, Gordon Hayward in in a small ball lineup. So it was Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward led to three straight transition dunks for the team, and I think they were I think they had to be plus twelve with that lineup on the floor. Um, Gordon Hayward played a surprise 30 minutes. He said his ankle was sore, but we haven't heard anything since then, which has to be good news. Um, But if they can roll that lineup out more consistently, especially if Daniel Tice continues to struggle with fouls, it just gives them another versatile player um, and a guy off the bench that is going to provide consistent minutes. I think they got to leave it the way it was uh, having Marcus Smart in the starting lineup just to not create any confusion. um, But my biggest concern was how he was going to gel with the team, Gordon Hayward. Um, but you look at the stat line, I think he had seven points on two of seven shooting. The stats weren't there, but when you watch the game, his impact was absolutely undeniable. The way he can space the floor, draw defenders to him and passing too great playmaker, great defender. Um, he's an all around piece that the, the Celtics really were missing. Um, and now moving over to the Nuggets Lakers, Anthony Davis drained a game winning three at the buzzer. And that's got to really break the heart of Nuggets fans. Uh, because those close games are, you know, especially coming off of a blowout loss in, in game one, those close games are your best chance to get back in the series. Um, and if that shot doesn't fall, then you're sitting one and one uh, with really now it's, it's, it's a five-game series. I think the, the most difficult thing for me is, is you look at the, the stats, you look at the production. Um, it, was, it was two stars going against two stars, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray going up against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And I'm sorry, but in that battle... The Nuggets are going to lose it every single time. Now, Michael Porter added 15 points um, on six of nine shooting, very efficient. But overall, I mean, if it's those, if, if it's two versus two, I mean, I'm going with the Lakers every time, and I think even then, some they were able to absorb the the good shooting night of Michael Porter. Um, only two other Lakers players scored in double figures: Danny Green and KCP both tallied 11 points, um, and Michael Porter Jr. was the only other Nuggets player to get into double figures. So you have to imagine they're looking for more production out of those guys as they move forward uh, into game three. Things are heating up. Football is back. The NBA is moving towards the finals. um, And we might even be talking about baseball sometime soon. Who knows? This Wednesday, we have Jeff Perlman uh, reviewing his book, Three Ring Circus, talking about Phil Jackson, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. Very exciting show. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, But appreciate you sticking with us, and we'll see you on Wednesday.